0: the internet welcome to a new episode of the light as always i'm scott pearson and of course as always i'm joined by the mythical diabolical john l john where you at man what's up what's good come on man you know
1: i'm always right here scott come on now lurking lurking. hey never lurking i'm standing chest up you know what i mean shoulders blocked and square Mm -hmm. so you know i mean come on now marine never falters how was your week though man good man good love him Loving the uh, Tupac episode, I gotta tell you that. Loving the uh, Facebook page, you know, Twitter's going crazy. I gotta give another shout out to Miranda Wright's, my goodness, her performance at Maria Davies. I mean, that young lady, as we talked about in the interview, she is leaps and bounds, you know what I mean? Above uh, her age, as well as, in my opinion right now, one of the truest female hip hop artists that's currently out. And if you haven't checked her out yet,
0: you haven't checked out Knowledge Yourself, check that out. You know what I mean? Get definitely put her on your radar. Miranda Wright's is is, you know, someone that we gravitated toward and, you know, having her on the show was a complete no brainer. You know, much love to Miranda and come back. No doubt, no yeah. doubt. But um but John man, I'm not really one to look in the rearview mirror. We just march forward, you know what I mean? But Yo, I gotta talk about this Tupac episode Just for a couple seconds, man Oh yeah, oh yeah, no doubt Not not the episode in itself, you know what I mean? But the response Was that not more than we ever could have ever expected? I had no
1: idea it was going to come back like that I mean, as we always talk about We're a very organic show, so You know, when people, when you hear this, understand. Scott and I were just sitting around. We're just two cool cats kicking it. We don't have scripts. We don't have, you know, I mean, we have a little information in front of us, you know, dates and times and things of that nature to make sure we were on point with the particulars. Mm -hmm. But other than that, we're just two, we're two dudes just sitting around talking
0: about something we both love dearly, which is hip hop. Right, no doubt. But the thing that really caught my eye, man, were the comments. Let me set the stage for a second, and I think we did that pretty well during the episode Tupac was an enigma you know he conjured up a lot of emotion you know from his fans from the culture from the hip-hop community and in all honesty John it bothers the shit out of me man because I think between him and Big right if you say anything negative about any of them two artists man you're going to catch hell man you know what I mean? From their from their army of supporters. Now, you know, I said that sarcastically on purpose because that's what it feels like. I mean, you can't talk openly and objectively about anything with regard to Tupac and Big without catching it. That's bullshit, man, because you know, this hip hop thing of ours, you know, is just that of ours. Yeah, of it's ours. Yeah, it's just that, man. It's it's ours, man. You know what I mean? And there's opinions and perspective that's coming in from all over the damn world, man. And just like I said to one of the listeners on the show, and it, I mean, believe me when I tell you, it's all love. I love the conversation I had with him. His name is Jason Gonzalez. Bro, at the end of the conversation, it's all love. I got nothing but love and respect for that man right there. But in the beginning, it was testy. You feel me? It was, no real, it was no. real testy, man, because he wasn't feeling how hop was being represented. And the one thing that I said that I, I'm pretty sure is what helped him understand that the way we was coming was, was nothing, was with nothing but love and respect. We wouldn't have done an episode about Tupac if we had hate for that man. Why would we spend two and a half, three hours talking about Tupac if we was gonna shit on him? We did an episode about Tupac because we love what he stood for, we love his message, we love his persona, we love everything he stood for, but we still gonna talk about him and be truthful and real about it. You see what I'm saying? And there were other fans, other listeners that did the same thing, and they got smashed. They got, he, they still getting smashed. As we talking, doing this show right now, they getting smashed on our fan page. That's complete bullshit, man. You should be able to sit up there and talk about it openly and honestly, you should be able to do that.
1: But at the same time, you gotta expect to get smashed. I respect that dude, um, I, don't, I can't remember his name, who uh, everybody was going at? I think he was from the UK.
0: It wasn't just him, no.
1: though. Right, right, right,
0: right. Yeah. But he was, but he was the one
1: who was receiving most of the ire of most of the folks who was going back and forth. Mm-hmm. And I got to say this: to have a difference of opinion and knowing that your opinion is the minority. And still be able to stand up for your opinion, not saying that his opinion is right, because I necessarily don't agree with it. Now, I don't agree with Tupac being the best lyricist ever, you know, the best, you know, artist to ever come through hip-hop. I don't agree with that either. Is he in my top ten? No. It varies from day to day anyway, because it's subjective. Mm -hmm. The only thing that doesn't vary in my top ten is number one, and that's KRS-One.
0: Right, but the point is, that's that's your top
1: ten. exactly and that's what i was about to say yeah and that's what i was about to say okay the fact that he was able to withstand all the slings and the arrows and still you know keep his shoulders squared and his chest up now you know it is internet i'm you know saying theoretically real talk i just really admire how everybody was able because you know i like football you know that's my favorite sport and in football You have that physical contact, you have that rub, you have that mano-a-mano, I'm coming at you and I'm trying to impose my will upon you. Shout out Pittsburgh Steelers, Mike Tomlin, you know, we're going for seven this year. Mm -hmm. But with all that being said, that's what dude was able to do. And from that, a true discussion occurred. The different posters, one is admitted or not, I'm quite sure they learned a little bit about You know Tupac whether it was positive and or negative
0: and that's right right. the point is my thing is the thing that I learned now again if you're not learning something then why are you doing it the thing that I learned the thing I learned from this whole experience with the Tupac episode there are so many people the thing that we have in common is hip-hop we are so passionate about it you know what I mean we all have our own perspective we have our own opinion but at the end of the day even though we was all kind of like testy and going at each other you know regarding various points of this man's life the thing that we had in common the thing that kept us coming back and discussing it was hip-hop how powerful is that
1: i think miranda said it well as well right because she because she put it she said tupac understood the life he was living Mm -hmm. and he understood very well the ramifications of his actions Mm -hmm. so i don't think he felt that he was the greatest rapper ever. Do I think that Tupac felt that he had a message and that message was strong, which was strengthened by, rest in peace, of Fina Shakur. You know, he was, you know, he received that Black Panther knowledge from her. So he had a message and he believed in his message, but do I, do I sit here and think that he was that cat who would say he he his message was the only message? No. Well, because in his video com- uh, compilation that they did uh, you know uh, until the end of time, he even says, this isn't the life that I'm supposed to be living. You can watch that video. You can see how feverishly he's working, head down, and like his arm's moving fast as hell. That shows you that if a man is working that diligently, he knows he has not yet arrived. This is hip-hop. That discussion in the thread... That went on for, I guess, 100 plus, you know, comments in that joint. Still going on, by the way. Still going on, by the way. That's hip-hop. Because we're not all
0: going to think the same. We're not all going to dress the same. We're not all going to talk the same. But that's Mm hip-hop. You know, we expected that. And that's how it should be discussed. We got to open up these lines of communication. We got to discuss hip-hop, man. Because like I told one of the listeners in there, if we don't, if we all kind of just agree to like and listen to the same shit, then there's no reason to discuss hip-hop at all. You know what I mean? We got to keep this line of communication open. Otherwise, man, we're going to lose this to the youngins who are kind of lost already. You see what I'm saying? No doubt. No so,
1: doubt. And we have to keep the conversation, like you just said, different. Mm-hmm. It has to be different. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Because through that difference is where the true knowledge is going to be born. It's going to it, where that true essence is going to come out.
0: Alright, but um but listen, John, let's switch gears for a minute. There's something else I want to talk about, man, before we get it in. It's with regard to a video that's making rounds around to social media. The video is actually kinda old. It's about five years old. It's with uh method man. He's in the parking lot of a of a venue. Not really clear, not really sure where it's at, but um he's saying some very, you know, relevant and important things about uh, about Worldstar, about the Worldstar culture, you know, and the issues that he has with it.
2: Worldstar be trying, you know, they be taking all them videos, and they put their own little spin on it and this shit. I hate Worldstar hip hop. I hate boss up. I hate all that shit. I hate fucking Wendy Williams. I hate anybody that you that, that does hack shit to get money. I think that's hack shit. They ride other people's backs and coattails to get where they at, to get their positions. And then what do they do after that? Because if they didn't have y'all people here, they wouldn't even be existing right now. What if Worldstar took y'all business? Let's say your mother had cancer and Worldstar put that shit up for the world to see. Would you fuck with them again after that? But I bet you $5 if you were somebody with a name behind you, they'd do that shit in a heartbeat. I hate all that shit, man. Fuck that, that shit has nothing to do with hip hop. It's not hip hop. Back in the day, fuck that, not even back in the day. Nigga, right now, if you told a nigga Bennett's in the street, you had to see him because he's gonna fuck you up later on. So I want to start a movement, I'm saying it right here, right now I want to start a movement, right? I don't give a fuck what website it is If you spewing motherfucking bad energy about niggas in the game and shit Us artists need to come together, get pictures pictures of these motherfuckers Put them up on the fucking line And let y'all whoop their ass every time they show up to a fucking
0: Bro, I must have listened to that interview six times and I Bruh. and I agree with everything that he said. Just to kind of put it into a nutshell, what he said was that world star hip hop and sites like world star hip hop, if I can name them specifically, I'm talking about Bossip, I'm talking about Media Takeout, all that bullshit. It's not hip hop. It's not. It's not hip hop. It's bullshit. It's drama. You know what I mean? It's, it has nothing to do with hip hop, man. And everything that Method Man said in that interview. It's completely and 100% true. It's drama. It's tearing down the culture. And we, and when I say we, I'm talking about us, the community. We are sharing it like it's some real shit. The fights, the drama, you know, that bullshit show that's on VH1. I'm not even going to, you know, say its name. That I on. never even
1: watched that damn show. Come on,
0: man. That's not hip-hop. You know what I mean? That's,
1: that ain't that, hip-hop, that's, 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 man. That ain't hip-hop. That's the, and it ain't no damn love in that show nah, either. Nah,
0: man. That's the anti-hip-hop, man. That's the anti-hip-hop. Why would you or anyone patronize or share that nonsense, man? You know, again, I am not. I know it seems like we're kind of testing angry here in this intro, but it's just the passion behind how we feel about it, man. I mean, hip-hop is about, you know, love, knowledge of self. You know what I mean? Consciousness. That bullshit is garbage, man. Come on, man. I never understood it, man. Meth was extremely animated and angry about it. You know, even going so far as to come after the cameraman, because I believe that cameraman was part of Boston. He had a right to come at him that way. I mean, they're looking for, they are not they're not looking for positivity. What they're looking for are inroads to tear down the culture. And it spreads like wildfire. Now, why is that? Why are we falling for that? How, why is it that we're duped so easily into that? Into 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 spreading that and playing it 100 million times? What's up with that? I mean, tell me why Worldstar has over, like, I don't know, 50 million members. How, how is that possible, man?
1: Well, I want to tell you like this. Everyone likes to see misery because everyone is miserable to a certain degree. I don't believe that. Man. You know, I, well, listen, okay. you're not the only one who feels like that. I feel like that as well. Meth feels like that. Listen to what Kwame said, man. In in 1992, cats were barely cursing in hip-hop because it wasn't necessary. So when you think about it, what's the purpose of it now? If you can't be lyrical, then why are you trying to be an artist? Remember, you know, and he went on to say, he went on to say, what used to be the parody in hip-hop is now hip-hop. Remember the movie CB4?
0: Yep. Wait, that is now hip-hop. That's true. That's so true, man.
1: That is now freaking Waka Flocka Flame, young freaking thug, all these freaking idiots who actually think that they're a hip-hop artist. And here's the thing. The music industry understands one thing. And that one thing is you're always going to have new customers every single year. Because every single year, kids are getting older. So that is that entry point in the hip hop. So they keep appealing to the younger and the younger and the younger generation. It's kind of like the stupid ass political terrorist. I won't even say his name, Punk Trump. You know, it's just like him, man. Everybody's too stupid and too lazy to figure out what the hell is going on. And I don't understand it because it is so easy to see. But are we that freaking lazy that we don't care? Is that what it is? Yo, my beat's pumped by the mic I clamp. I don't need an amplifier, my brain is amped. I got beats to make you tingle, make your body mingle, like you got the fever for the flavor of a Pringle. Mm -hmm. Now, as silly as that sounds, but the middle of that verse, He's talking about my brain is empty. Here, here is a cat who was, and I'm not going to say he was a hip-hop icon because Kwame wasn't. You know what I mean? He was somebody you could put on in the club, one or two tracks, people dance to. You know what I mean? He was Kwame was cool. But here he is talking about how hip-hop now is a parody of itself. It is no longer talking about the upliftment of the community that it was born from And when it was first born from that community, it was talking about what was going on in that community and how to make that community better. Now, the artist that we're about to review this week, and it's so funny that we're talking about this, Scott, because as we get deeper into it, this is what they were talking about back in 1984 when this uh, LP that we're going to talk about was dropped, was the upliftment of the... First of all, they were talking about the socioeconomic climate of the inner city then they were also talking about how people were dealing with that situation and the last thing they were talking about is having a good time and trying to you know escape some mental escapism through music to 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 kind of ease your ills it's they didn't celebrate being downtrodden and let's be downtrodden more let's do more stupid nonsense to impact our community negatively to impact ourselves negatively to impact our family in a negative way you know as you know my mother used to you know so so keenly say about criminals you know who who don't get it after a period of time why you keep throwing bricks at the penitentiary for them to let you in that's what these clowns these and that's what hip-hop is right now i stand on the corner all day i sell 18 bricks no you don't stop lying
0: yeah that's what kwame was talking about man
1: right stop lying stop lying because now you're this little 13 14 year old impressionable kid who don't have a male in the household and for you know misguided reasons he is looking to music for guidance is listening and trying to emulate that
0: and that's the thing that kind of bothers me so much to us it's so much more than money you know it's, it's so much more than money man it's it's, it's our lifestyle man it's the culture that we live right. since we were, since as far as we, as long as we can remember. You know what I mean? It's so much more than money, man. And I think that's why it's, we're so passionate about it. And that's why you and I started this show, man, is because you know, we, gotta get, we, gotta, we gotta get this thing back, man. We got to. We gotta take
1: it back, man. It's also gonna be a movement of individuals who's tired of what's going on in hip hop. And I charge, you know, the Jay-Zs, even though I'm a big Jay-Z fan, I'm a big KRS fan, you know what I mean? But I charge those guys with the fact that they haven't developed some sort of mechanism for artists to come in who are doing it the right way. For those underground, those true underground artists who are doing it the right way and have a good message to make it in hip-hop. Because I'm sure that they see that it is the industry that's pumping the negativity that hip hop has now become. You know what I mean? Skinny jeans, showing your ass, wearing makeup and freaking dresses. Get the fuck out of here. Who the fuck is that? Let's just be honest. Take the, the people who have the money and the means and, and the knowledge are the people who have made the money off of hip hop. So those are the people who should be spearheading taking hip-hop back. Mm-hmm. And because they're not, I charge them with that. You know what I mean? I charge them in a negative way with that, and I really wish that they would do more. Because the industry, that's kind of like giving back to your community. You know, So where are the ones who are making the most money off of hip-hop in the in the culture, who are immersed in the culture, giving back to the culture to make sure the culture will be sustained, versus allowing the culture to be appropriated and sold off to the freaking not even the highest bidder, the only the current bidder. Kind of like that Oprah meme: "You get hip hop, you get hip hop, you get hip hop. <laughs> Every everybody gets hip hop. Everybody gets you know. Everybody wins."
0: You know, building off what you just said I mean, I think the reason why us and I say us, I'm talking about the hip-hop heads You know, the fans, the listeners Whoever Who has even a smidgen of love You know, for this culture, for this thing of ours, man I think the reason why we get so annoyed The reason why we're so passionate about it, man Is because Bruh, the pedigree Is solid, man I mean When you start looking at, and you call them the framers If you start looking at, you know Those artists, those individuals that had the strength and the courage to to stand up and do this thing way back in the beginning and follow that lineage all the way to where we are today. Bro, that pedigree is rock solid, man. Given that, right, if I were to draw a map on a wall and draw the different trees, the family trees that built this thing of ours, man, I think, I mean, a tear would have to come to your eye, man, because we're all touched. We're all a part of it. All of us. No doubt, man. All of no us, doubt, man. And my thing is, man, there's no better way to segue in who we are going to discuss this week on TLP. And you almost let the wow. cat out of the bag before, man. I was holding it back. I was holding
1: that cat back, boy.
0: <laughs> hey. John, Run DMC is responsible for a lot of things, man. They were my personal introduction to hip-hop. Run DMC and LL were the reason why I listened to... Why I walk the way I do Why I talk the way I do Why I dress the way I do Why my attitude is the way that it is You know It's responsible for You know The perspective that I have For a lot of things With respect to You know uh, My environment Why I have so much love You know For the tri-state area Which is where I'm born and raised It's because of Run DMC It's because of LL You know what I mean Run DMC Russell Simmons Curtis Blow Rick Rubin Rick Rubin Russell
1: Simmons, one day we got to do a show on just him, mm-hmm. in my opinion. Because what he did for the hip-hop culture and what he continues to do and his influence, his reach, I mean, let's just be honest. Without Russell Simmons, do you have hip-hop?
0: No. Nah. That is a question. But but run DMC. I'm talking Joseph Simmons, Daryl McDaniels, Jason Mizell, or Jam Master Jay. Right. Bro, they have got to be easily the most iconic hip-hop group of all time.
1: They are the number one. I know some cats want to say it's
0: Outkast. Some cats
1: want to say it's Wu-Tang. No, the number one hip-hop crew of all time is Run-DMC and Jam Master J. Hands down. And if you haven't heard Run DMC's debut album, which is just simply Run DMC, all right? Go back and listen to it before you listen to this review. And I know I've said that a couple times, go back, listen, educate yourselves because what we're about to get into right here is serious hip hop royalty. No doubt. Without Russell Simmons, without Rick Rubin, without Run DMC and Jam Master Jay, Nothing happens in hip-hop. Hip-hop stays a gimmick. Hip-hop went from the corner to the boardroom.
0: Bro, Shelto Adidas, no laces, the Lee jeans, the black leather jackets, the hat. Bro, it, it, don't, it don't get more hip-hop than that. And here we are, 2016, you know what I mean? That show to Adidas, that Adidas superstar is still... The symbol is still the most symbolic, exactly. the most iconic representation of hip-hop fashion that there ever has been and ever will be, and that's because of Run DMC. You're listening to The Light Podcast, and as always, you can reach us on Twitter, at The Light Podcast, or our Facebook page, to search for The Light Podcast. Drop us a message. We always respond, and we always so love. Now, a little knowledge for you friends.
1: podcast listeners. We got something new for you. You know, the t-shirt thing around here has been going crazy. I have about five or six other pictures that I just I got to get up there. But, but Scott, it's just getting too much, man. You know, there's, there's nothing wrong with asking for help. You know what I'm saying? No doubt, man. So, I, uh, Scott, what I did was you know, back in the day, man, you know what I mean? Every corner there was always you know, that cat out there walking around who had the hookup price, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, he he had the latest concert tickets, the latest whatever. Always has something inside of his jacket, right?
0: No, <laughs> oh, no. What you got, man? Listen, man.
1: I had to reach down and I had to reach for Market Street Joe. Lord, I had to find Market Street Joe, man, because you know the street market is always hopping, man. Mm-hmm. I had to go and get a Market Street Joe, man. I had to. He was out there. When I, and when I ran up on Market Street, Joe, of course, he was just coming up out of the barbershop getting a fresh fade. I ran up on him, and before I could even say anything, he was like, yo, man, I got these T-shirts. I was like, you know, I want to talk to you about some T-shirts. He goes, which T-shirts? I said, you know, some T-shirts for my
0: podcast. He goes, I already got them. Hey, man, where did you find our t-shirts at? I didn't think, I thought only
3: a few people had them. Where did you find them from? Man, you know, it just it just came across the line one day. Someone was like, <laughs> yo, did you check this out? And I was like, hey, I like that. I got to get some of those. Man, I like it. I like it. <laughs> you flat I here. made a phone call. I got a dozen of them shipped to me. <laughs> wait a minute, so, wait a minute. Hold on. Who'd you call? <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey, hey. I can't give up my sources, okay. but I can take them you whenever you're ready. We can go meet the man, but, you know, we on air. Can't give up my sources. Okay. And I want to let him introduce himself,
1: tell you guys a little bit about himself. I want to tell He's going to uh, also let you guys know exactly how you can get more Light Podcast t-shirts because it became way too overwhelming for Scott
3: and I. So, Market Street, Joe, go ahead, bro. Like he was saying, you know, I got the t-shirts. Also, I'm going to have some lanyards coming soon for the Light Podcast as well. I have a nice little uh, resource shop set up, and I got a lot of resources. I got a lot of people who are putting a lot of good things together, so I want to share my resources with the world. I definitely want to share my resources with The Light Podcast and help these guys out because I like what these guys are doing. They got a strong message, and I'm definitely standing behind it. Man, you guys can give me a shout out. I go by Damier Rails. You can look me up on IG. You can look me up on Facebook, D-A-M-I-E-R, R E L L Z. Yeah, oh, I got all my paperwork. <laughs> Everything is covered. You know what I'm saying? Everything is covered. So my business name is um, Royal Grind Movements. And we definitely got a positive mission statement. We're trying to give back to the community. We definitely want to change the world um, in every way possible that we can. So I definitely want to put all my attention, all my focus into you guys. Uh, Make sure your T-shirts get to where they need to be because they are going very quickly. And, you know, continue to to push you guys' brand onto the next platform, get you to a bigger audience.
0: But we appreciate you, man. If, uh, if it ever comes to a, a point where Jonnell is, is, is kind of breathing too heavy on your neck, let me know. I know
3: how to pull him off. <laughs> now, you're going to have your own website set up? Oh, definitely. I will definitely be getting you guys put up on the website uh, sooner than later. Hopefully, I can get it done in, within the next week. Um, so, we can definitely be shipping international. International shipping will not be a problem. I definitely want to make sure we can reach everyone who's supporting us. That's Okay. All right. Market Street Joe know
1: know how it go. You know how to keep his customers happy.
3: I like that. I I like that. I like pleasing my people. I definitely got to take care of my people because at the end of the day, my people take care of me. And what am I without my people? Amen to that, brother.
1: (laughs) Well, listen, thanks. Thanks for stopping by Market Street Joe and uh, we're, we will get at you about those t-shirts, and everybody else, get at Market Street Joe through his uh, sites, through Royal Grand uh, Movements, and uh, let's make this thing happen, and, but man, y'all kept a brother busy. So, Market Street Joe, Royal, Royal Grind Movements, Dom and I really appreciate you you coming by the Light Podcast and uh, helping us out with this.
0: Take care. Appreciate you, man. Appreciate it. Peace. Check it out, man. This week, we have a very, very special guest with us to join us here on uh, this episode of The Light Podcast. Listening to, to music over the last, you know, 20, 25 years, I mean, it's you probably don't realize who he is, but once you see his resume, once you see, you know, what songs he's been a part of, you know, it's definitely going to shock you. John, you know, let's let's give a big warm welcome to Herb Middleton.
4: I yeah, I, I like uh, I appreciate that, that introduction there, Scott. Mm-hmm.
0: Hey, man, I'm just, I'm just keeping it, just keeping it real, man, because, you know, sitting here looking at your resume, man. I mean, this was, this was, this was the soundtrack to my childhood for all intents and purposes, you know what I mean? And the fact that, you know, you were a part of, a seminal part of all of these songs. I don't know if this is a fair question to ask, but who was your favorite artist to work with? Al Green. Oh, He's into yeah. it a little bit. <laughs> I just have to, I just have to be straight
4: honest, man. Like, you know, he's a legend and, you know, my parents listened to him. Right. Had his music playing with the A-track. That's that's way back. What was it about him that made him so exciting? Oh well to be honest, just uh just the uh, the reality that I was in a studio with someone as great at as, as he is, and I and I'm producing him. Like, you listen to him on the A-track the next thing, you know, not next thing, but years later you're in the studio and you and he's asking you like you know what so what do you want me to do and i'm like it was just shocking you know what i mean
0: i could imagine that
4: i enjoy
1: the fact that you worked with such an eclectic group of artists but tell me about big i mean I, it seems like you kind of caught him after his meteoric rise so so tell me about that situation a little bit
4: well that situation working with big was kind of like a fast experience because number one it was it was a record it was total's record you know um can't you see right so it was like like almost like bumping heads while he's doing while he's writing his lyrics and he's going in the booth and then recording and then the record is done one of them deals so i mean definitely Def, was in his presence and he was, he was a very focused um, mc let's put it that way You know what I'm saying? Gotcha. got you. I can't stop reading your
0: resume, so I'm going to just run down a list, just a few, just so our listeners can really understand Mm -hmm. who it is that we're talking to. So I'm going to start off with the DJ Jazzy Jeff, Return of the Magnificent. You know, Nas, Street's Disciple. Will Smith, Mm -hmm. Born of Rain. Of course, we got the Biggie Smalls. I mean, for me, you know, I really, really, really gravitate towards the creation process. So what was it like working with Nas? Did you get a chance to sit with him and, like, you know see that part of it from him or did he just go in the booth like what you just explained with big was it more
4: of, did you have more input as to what he was doing with, with Nas i was working with LES. Mm-hmm. that's his main producer mm-hmm. so me and Elias was collabing on a couple of things mm-hmm. you know man it was really it was really strange back with the hip-hop back in those days on uh, early on for me it was like you know you do the track and if the track, if the artist is in LA, man, you send the track and they put their vocals down, they send it back and then you and you get a mix. You know what I'm saying? But can't tell you that Nas, man, being around him, he's one of the most most, most coolest MCs that I that I ever been around. Just a real mellow, real chill type dude. Mm -hmm. Um, And definitely a poet, you know what I mean? Um, You know, know, the time that I spent around him, just just like an all-around great human being. Not just an artist, just a great human being. You
1: know, one of the things, Herb, that really stood out to me when I was looking over everything that you've done, man, is the number of collaborations. How was it working with different producers like a Chucky Thompson or even a uh, Puffy?
4: Working with Puff was, uh, he, he's, he's a sharpener. He's, he just worked so hard in the studio, really focused like tonal vision on what he wants, And don't go to sleep, man. It's like, I, we'd be in the studio like, like three in the morning and I'm nodding, neck is snapping. and This dude is like, oh, just sort of focus, getting, you know, making sure he, he's getting what he wants. And I, and I, I used to be amazed at you know, how, how dedicated he was to just getting, getting that, that, that energy, keeping that energy moving even in the late hours. Right. You know, Tucky, you know, I had a couple of sessions with him. He's real chill. Just a great musician. He got a great ear for the music. The producers that I work with, that I collab with, everybody, I, I, I find that every every one of them is a different type of experience. For example, uh, working with LES, he would he would do the beats, and then I would I would add the music over the beat. So it was like, okay, I'm I'm done my part. If I need to play the bass, I'll you know put the bass on track or mm-hmm. you know definitely keys. It's kind of the same thing with Jack and Jeff too. He had laid the foundation with his beats, and then I I would put the music over it or play on the sample or whatever. It was, for the for the producers that I did collaborate, it was like, it was equal respect. It wasn't no egos or nothing like that. It was uh, just like everybody respected what I did, even for the most part, and I respected what they did.
0: You know, it's not very often that, you know, we get a chance to talk to a real, you know what I mean, a real producer. For those that are trying to, to maybe get into production, what are some of the things that you could that you could offer them, like what like some advice to maybe a young kid that's listening to this, what would be something that you would tell him that he needs to be able to do? Something that he needs to be able to prepare for?
4: He definitely needs to be able to be true to his individuality. If you can't be true to who you are as a producer, number one, you're not gonna be producing from the heart. Everybody don't have the same gift. But whatever gift you have, you just stay true to the gift that you have and, and bring that to the table that's the one thing that i think is kind of fights us as a people is like a lot of people look at who's really hot instead of thinking about how hot they could be and being original and then also to go and look, take it to the next level when it comes to producing i know for me i always look out for the individuality that i i look at what's what's their sound and then and i mess mine you know, my, tip, my gift would try to make it bring out what what they do and not try to make them sound like anybody else. Gotcha. you. You've been involved, you
0: know, from both the R&B side and both the hip-hop side during what many consider to be the golden era of the respective genres. So here we are, 2016, and um, a lot of the music that's coming out now, like, you have a lot of hip-hop purists that are coming out saying, oh, that's not real this, that's not real that, music back in the day was this, music back in the day was that. So I just want to get, you know, your opinion from someone that was involved in the music Mm -hmm. during that era that everybody loved so much. What is your opinion about the music that's coming
4: out now? I miss the substance, man. I miss, like, one thing when I'm producing, I can't speak for anybody else, but I enjoy doing what I do. If you don't enjoy doing what you do, and you're just doing it just for for money and just for fame, it becomes, it's like noticeable me like so I think like what's what where we are right now in two thousand sixteen the game is the game is, is, is tougher than ever. You know what I'm saying? Wow. It's like wow. you know, we used to have a bunch of record companies back in the day. Now we got like one record company that's fused into thirteen. Like and you know the money's shorter. And we the hustle is like for people who 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 are in the streets, man, they the turf is like if you if somebody's crossing your turf, you know, you like the money is shorter, and you threatened, so you gotta, you gotta move to another place, or try to. If you, you know, I'm not, I'm not trying to put, to promote no negativity, but it happens in, 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 real street life. You know, cats be, you know, jealous, or they be fighting for their own territory. And in, in the music industry, it's kind of like the same thing, but there's no, there's no violence, but musically, everybody's on top of each other, trying to prove that who's, who's next. Who's the hottest? And I'm like, yo man, like, nobody's the hottest. Just be hot. You know what I mean? That's my thing. What about just being relevant? What about just, what about just enjoying what you do? I was talking to a a new producer that got in my wing, man. I'm encouraging him. I said, look man, don't don't get caught up in a rap race. Enjoy. Enjoy the gift that you know, God gave. You know what I'm saying? That's, that's where I am with it I, I can't get into the rat race of who trying to prove a lot of these cats are really trying to prove how many how hot their beats are and 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 it's like a it's a phenomenon because if you really if you really think at look at what's going on right now back in the day we used to have producers used to be used to be a producer driven industry now it's a it's a your beat a beat on the internet <laughs> driven industry you know there's no respect for the for the, the the guys that really have put in the time and c- creating, you know, some of the veterans. Where's the Dave Hall's? Like it's a it's crazy
1: right now, you know. You know, you and I have talked offline a lot, and or if you don't mind sharing with the podcast listeners, because I've heard your son's music. I really enjoy how you told me how it came about for you.
4: Um, I was on the phone and, and I heard something. Like, you know, I heard. His music called my ass. Like who's that? I was like that's me. And I and and I was thrown off altogether. I was like, yo, send that to me. It's really weird, you know. You know, we got a studio in the career down in the basement. And for some reason, he he flops outside to work outside. I don't condemn him for that because I know he's got to travel his own way. But when I when I heard. When I heard the song. Like I didn't I didn't do the music and nothing like that. He got some some other cast that did the music and I think he, he produces a little bit too. When I heard the song, I was like, yo, this is I was blown away. Almost like almost brought me to tears. I said, man, you, you sound like a, you know, you like a new-age prince of MC. He really wrote about something really personal. And sometimes you, it's easy to take the ones that's around you for granted. <laughs> it's, a, it's a cool
1: new direction that, uh, you know, some of these cats are taking hip-hop in, along with, you know, another new artist that we had on The Light Podcast, which is Miranda Wright.
4: She's a, she's a, a producer's choice. She's not all you know all into her artistry where she doesn't listen. That's a producer's choice. I mean, that's definitely um, for for me. Being a producer means you, you have to produce somebody that's producible, who can tap into the gift that you have and sharpen it and and make it even better than it was. When I, when I first started working with her, I heard you know some things that in her craft that was like you know okay. I, I hear what you're doing but let's try this and and she just grabbed it right away she never you never bickered. she's the most easiest MC to work with man and, and um we have a we have a great chemistry she's you know it's like it's like it's like magic she's a positive female voice and i think that's it's it's gonna stand out because because of because of, just for the simple fact there's so much negativity right like hey, there's got to be somebody that comes out and wins and, and brings some kind of sunshine into the into the game she's the artist
0: so listen her man i know your time is limited man we've taken up you know a lot of it already do you have anything new coming up do you have any projects that you're working on that you can talk about
4: excuse me i got um miranda writes definitely her, her her singles getting ready to come out so that's her next thing called FUSEM. f-u-s-e-e-m okay and um i have my own own store. I call my mom and pop store. Uh, Hermitsonmusic.com, mm-hmm. where I, you know you can hear some of the music that's in my in my vault. I have a lot of music in my catalog that was never released. For those that want to go out late at night and get it quick. <laughs> <laughs> R&B song you know is it's available something they never heard but right, the sound right. is still relevant. that's one another thing I love about being a producer like cause it don't matter if you're Mary J. Blige or anybody that, that hasn't doesn't have a name as long as you got talent I could produce a, I could do something that that is listenable and enjoyable
0: First track on the debut album of the iconic hip-hop group see Hard Times. Now, this song is is actually quite simple. I mean, you know, you you always mention how you slapped hip-hop on the ass, so you should immediately recognize this as being a cover of uh, Curtis Blow's joint. I mean, they just, you know, they 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 took that original recording and they used it as their first track on their debut album. And now, just to kind of give you some history about how that actually came to be, I mean run from NDMC, joseph simmons that's russell simmons little brother he was actually curtis blow's dj dj run the son of curtis blow this one here the first track i mean it was just a natural progression the natural migration from him being the dj of curtis blow to now being an mc in his own right you know and doing a cover of hard times which was curtis blow's original cut made sense this right here, this is that social commentary that we talk about all the time. You know, digging into the lyrics, I mean, it's very simple. There's nothing that you really have to dissect. They're talking about the difficulties in life that you have and uh, giving you that hope, that glimmer of hope. You know, it's like the mother's telling you, look, we understand. We understand that you're going through some shit, man, but you gotta fight, you gotta keep fighting. You know, turn around, get ready, keep your eye on the clock and be on point for that future right? shot, you know what I mean? I know you're going through some shit. I really understand, I, we, we are too. Everybody's going through it, man. But you got to fight. No doubt. I just look back. I remember the assassination
1: attempt on uh, President Reagan. I remember that a new plague was identified, and that plague was called AIDS. Right. And I mean, these are these are things that are happening that at the time, most of the news that I consumed, most of the information that most of the country consumed, was mm-hmm. local information. So when the assassination attempt happened on the uh, Pope. The assassination attempt happened on President Reagan. Now the news started to take on a broader type of context in a lot of people's lives because cable TV was starting to come online as well. Mm -hmm. So now commonality and programming started to become more of the norm. You know, this is 1981. Now, Run DMC, Run dmc you know, this, this LP was released when Scott in 1984, right? Eighty four. So why am I talking about nineteen eighty-one? Well, because we always talk about what inspired an artist to write the lyrics that they wrote. So here's a prime example of hard times being described by Run DMC. And here is what they were here's what happened two to three years before they pinned this particular before this track was released. You know what I mean? So you figure there's a lot going on. You know, there's, you know, Michael Jackson released Thriller. So at the same time, MTV is now bubbling. So when you look at these lyrics, for me, when I look at the lyrics, Hard Times, this was so descriptive. You know? So when he's talking about Hard Times is spreading just like the flu, I mean, that's real. And you, we know how, the, how fast the flu spreads. This is all real. And this is happening town to town, and they're in New York. This is happening in New Jersey. This is happening in Detroit. This is happening all through that Rust Belt where hip-hop was kind of born through. You know, hard times are coming to your town. You know what I mean? That's, that's your meal is closing. That other person's meal is closing. You know, that coal mine is shutting down. This, this, is, this is happening.
0: Well, for me, you know, my perspective is slightly different, man. I mean, I was just a youngin. And I remember distinctly when I heard Run DMC for the first time, it wasn't so much the subject matter. I mean, a song like this, I mean, how much can I really relate to it? But for me, it was Run's voice, man. It was so forceful. Like, you had no choice but to sit up and listen. And at the time, it was, it was so different from what, from what I was hearing. You know what I mean? Uh, you know, even though, like, Sugar Hill Gang was out, Grandmaster Flash was out, The Message and all that, that was still my dad's music. You see, what I'm saying that was still my older brother's music. The thing that that really, like I said, was was Run's voice. And when when I heard it, you know, when you hear his voice, it's so forceful, it's so um, unique. You know, it, it kind of pierces through the production. You know, even though DMC had his had his verses and whatnot, it was it was Run, man, man. As a kid, like I said, I mean, that's what gravitated that I, I gravitated toward his persona. You know, toward his bravado. I really dig what he said, man. He said. Hard times got our pockets all in chains. I'll tell you what though, homeboy, they don't have my brain. There's that hope, man, there's that rebelliousness. And I think for me, that's what did it. That's what that's what hooked me in to run, you know? And now that I'm a lot older, you know, I'm a grown man, going back and listening to these lyrics, I have such an appreciation for what they were trying to do. You know, all day I have to work at my peak because I need that dollar every day of the week. But I see my father, I see my dad, you know, trying to make things work, trying to keep things together at home, you know what I mean?
1: The hard times, I mean, this was real for us. Right. You know, and he says hard times, got our pockets all in chains. You know, mm-hmm. verse three, hard times can take you on a natural trip, you know, whereas you're just sitting there in wonderment, like, how did I get here? Just confused and perplexed. Mm-hmm. You know, trying to figure out where your next meal's coming from, trying to figure out a lot of different things.
5: for you boy, you fresh fresh, 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 fresh.
0: Up and down the front for me All right, John, here we go, man. Next track, Rockbox. Now, we have our special guest, Herb Middleton. He agreed to stick around and doing us for this review. And I can't tell you, Herb, how honored we are to have you here. Welcome again.
4: My pleasure to be here.
0: This particular record here, man, I mean, I don't know about you guys, man. I mean, for a debut album, right, for a crew... That's really not, you know, at the time that this that this that this album was released, I think it was very uh, courageous for them to do this, right? Because let's just state the obvious, right? I mean, when's the first time or the last time you heard a rock guitar, that whole rock vibe in the hip-hop album that came out in the '80s? Well, at
1: you know, at that time, you really didn't have that going on. I mean, I think Run-DMC was trying to bridge that gap. Sure. I mean, they were, they were MTV was uh, really starting to uh, take off, so I think Run-DMC was trying to get that crossover.
4: Yeah, they definitely were pioneers of, of, of bringing the rock and hip-hop together. It's actually refreshing to see it, you know, because like you said, it's like you don't really hear that anymore. Mm-hmm. Actually, I just did a track. That I had a little rock guitar in with Miranda Rice, so I'm, I'm looking forward to sharing that I and mean, it's like it's, it's, it's crazy that, that this would be, you know, the subject of the first song review.
0: Oh we can't right? wait to hear it. We can't wait to hear Miranda Rice is completely dope, man. She she was with us on the on the last episode. She talked about you as well.
4: Oh, you know? cool, cool. Much love to
0: Miranda Rice, right back at it. No doubt. One of the things that I wanna just kinda of settle up, up front, you know, is the the big misconception that, you know, we're grooving was the producer of this track, and he wasn't. He wasn't. You know what I mean? It was. It was Larry Smith. He had a lot to do with that early sound of Run DMC, that iconic beat that he implemented for some tracks that we're going to cover coming up soon. I'm not going to give that away, man. But you mm-hmm. know, right, right. Getting into that crossover appeal that Run DMC was going for, and they pulled it off, man. This track was, this track was crazy right here.
4: Like uh, even the, uh, the the video footage, mm-hmm. uh, just the marriage between different cultures was. Uh, you know, everybody even some of them was really dancing off time and it was like, <laughs> buddy, but you know, it was fun. It was no, no nothing. It was all love. It was love for the, for the music. Yeah, and I think I
0: think, I think that has everything to do with how nuclear Run DMC went. I think the international appeal to this group had everything to do with that. You know what I mean? They, they included everybody. They were all about that whole, you know, social commentary. They're all about that upliftment. I mean, there's songs that they that they dig into that wasn't really nobody doing back then in the eighties, man. I mean, I'm not gonna give away the review, man, but I think they had everything to do with Run DMC's appeal. I mean, they still checked all the boxes. I mean, yeah. they, they still, you know, first of all, they told you constantly where they was from. from mm-hmm. Constantly told you how dope they were. They were constantly going after sucker MCs and they were constantly Constantly, you know, beating up their DJ Jam Master J, They say Jam Master Jay practically every other word on all of this Right, podcast, right, man. right.
1: Mm-hmm. And, don't, and don't forget who run DMC considered to be the Sucker MCs back at that time The Sucker MCs were the same hip-hop artists that are being glorified today mm-hmm. You know what I mean when you when you look at hip-hop today It is not very reflective of what hip-hop was back in the 80s
0: when the Pioneers were doing it. you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm.
4: You no know nowhere close
0: no way close also you know run was also going after you know his competition as well i mean you look at the at the first verse i mean run run lays it out real flat for you while you suck mc's perpetrating the fraud your rhymes are cold whack keep the crowd cold bored you're the kind of guy that girls i ignore i'm driving the cat you fixing the Ford. when you look at their lines though
1: they're straight up kicking it on the corner with that serve and that volley Mm -hmm. and they're and they're going at it from the original school of hip-hop about I can can out-rhyme you. Me me and my boy can out-rhyme you and your crew. Mm -hmm. It's just that simple because, as he says, it's been proven. We calm the savage beast because our music is soothing. We create it. Mm -hmm. We're our own writers. Relate it and often demonstrate it. Mm -hmm. We'll diss a sucker MC. Make the other suckers hate it. And I love the end of this. Because Jay-Z borrowed from this later on, no curls, no braids, peasy head and still get paid. Jay-Z said that on, uh, on what's that, uh, on We Run This Town, peasy head and still get paid. So when you break down hip-hop and you go line for line, you can definitely see how the, the real pioneers get stacked up and they get paid that homage back to by the later artists who come up and they become great. And people often wonder, like, well, what is that whole recipe to become great? Well, we're seeing it. You got to pay homage.
4: Right. That's, that's valid. That's on point right there.
0: Yeah. And the big thing, too, man, I mean, you got to remember also, I mean, we're going through this album, but this was their debut. When Run is coming hard, man. I mean, that's why I was so, you know, on Run like that, because his style was crazy, man. You know, this is Young Cat. You know, I was just a kid when this song came out, but... You know, his voice, his cadence, you know what I mean, how how hard he came and the way he just punched you in the mouth from the time the song first came on, I mean, that was just crazy appealing to me, man. And, um, you know, we talk about the serving volley all the time between Run and D. It was perfect. It was perfection. I mean, I think they, more than any group or anyone else at the time, they're the ones that perfected that. And I think without, without a Run DMC, I mean, you don't have a lot of these other groups that came out after that where they tried to emulate that. You know what I mean?
4: One no thing doubt. I definitely appreciate about Run DMC is that they, they, came, out with a, they came out with an image that they, stayed, that they stayed true to. Yeah. I think everybody, no, not too many groups caught on to what, what, that, what that did for them, you know, to rock, to rock Adidas to the point where they could even get endorsement. That's something that I'm doing right now with, with B. Walker. I Don't know if y'all remember British B. Walkers.
0: Oh heck yeah, hell yeah,
4: yeah. So I'm doing something with B. Walker right now that's tapping into like bringing the hip hop and the hip hop music to the, to the fashion industry with B. Walker with J. D. Stewart, who's the CEO of the company. Wow. Let me let me tell you where I was when this music went when hip hop was birthed. I was somewhere trying to lift up a basketball. <laughs> I got you. I got you. Yeah, you know, you know what I mean. Like I, I was, but but here's the thing. I was in the Bronx because I'm from New York. Uh, you know, um, the the birthplace of hip hop. So right. I, I couldn't help but hear the music in the parks while I was playing basketball. All the the, the older older kids were they was flocking towards the music. I was still on the court. But one thing that I embraced was that it was it it brought you back to a good feeling. It's like like, when I listen to Marvin Gaye right now, I always get a good feeling. Like, I don't know if I'm kind of, I'm just sharing my heart, honestly. Mm-hmm. Like, when I work out in the morning, I listen to old music. And, and hip hop was so powerful that it, it was powerful enough and fresh enough for, for our people to be able to express themselves in, a, in, a, in another art form besides singing, because everybody can't sing. But once we found like that, there's a new way to um, to express yourself lyrically with poetry, like called hip hop. It it was it, it it grew very fast. I'm not gonna reveal where I was in school at that time, cause that wouldn't be fair <laughs> to me. <laughs> but I think it it transcends any any other genre of music.
0: But you touched on something right there, Herb, that I want to dig into. I mean, being from the Bronx, I mean. Coming up through that time period, I mean, you was at ground zero. That's the center of the hip-hop universe, right? I mean, we can all agree on that, right? So what was what was the impression for you when you heard Run DMC? Um,
4: the impression for me, to be honest, <laughs> was, was, like, the sneaks. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, right, like, right? The fashion. Like, mm-hmm. Yeah, the fashion. It was the fashion for me. It's like, oh, look at these guys. Like, like when I saw them on um, with Ralph McDaniel
0: mm-hmm.
4: or Ralph McDaniels, what's call it called? Y'all remember Ralph McDaniels? Oh, heck yeah. video sure. Music Box, yeah. I would see one DMC on there performing, and the first thing I was looking at, like, man, they got no sneakers. Because I was, like, I, again, I was coming from the sports, from right. basketball. Got you. Right, got you. So, but, so the marriage was like, you know, okay, now, now they, it's almost like they almost like got into my world while I was digging on the sports at the time, mm-hmm. With but they was doing the music. And I think, like, I don't even know if they even realized what that did for people who liked something else besides hip hop at that time. Right. But I, I definitely was very, I was influenced by, by the beats that all those cats was doing back in the day.
0: Just to dig back into the lyrics for one second, because it directly applies, I mean, you know, in the middle of the song, Run said, we got all the lines. And D came back, and all the rhymes. We don't drop dimes. We don't do crimes. We bake a little cake with Duncan Hans and never wear the vest. They called it Calvin Klein's. Because Calvin Klein uh-huh. is no friend of mine. Don't want nobody's name on my behind. Mm-hmm. Lee on my mm-hmm. legs, niggas on my feet, D by my side, J with the beat. They's hitting on it right there. You know, they was on to something. Yeah, they was on to something. They, they, was, was, they was ahead of their time, based on what you just said right there. Yeah, they was ahead of their time. I mean, they, but I think that they were the first ones to really hit on that fashion back then. I mean, probably between Run and probably LL. The Grimes were never about doing
1: harm to somebody. You know, you, you understand what I'm saying? It was always about the mind elevation. No doubt. And that's what I really liked about Run DMC, man. They never had to rap about hurting somebody or doing somebody dirty in order for them to make their
0: paper. You follow what I'm saying? No doubt. D told you right in the middle, we don't do crimes. That's not what we do. We're not about that. We No we, doubt. Man. We do hip hop, no man. We about, you know what I'm saying, uplifting our community, man. And um, you know, I keep going back to this because I think it's incredibly important thing to say, man. But they were doing this on top of rock music, man. Yeah. You
4: right. know
0: what I mean?
1: I mean, right. they yeah. were showing you how transportable the the, the okay. genre of hip hop was. Mm-hmm. You can put it over anything.
4: Yeah. The fact that we haven't seen that in this day mm-hmm. in the last twenty years, um, it it, it tells you that's like somebody is a big gap there mm-hmm. that could be filled. Um, you know what I'm saying, just fusing the rock. That's dope. I gotta I
0: mean that you brought up a good point though, Harb. I mean my question is why haven't producers been courageous enough to do what what you did with Miranda, and to do what Larry Smith did with with the Rock Box. I mean, is there is there like pressure to conform? Is that what it is? Is that what you think?
4: I think uh, number one, I believe that there are a lot of people, a lot of execs. I think a lot of record label execs have lost their passion for for the creative process that that made us uh, wealthier, made us famous and and now it's like you know it's it's all about the hustle and bustle and to make it get a hit instead of like just like these guys when you look at this video they look like they didn't look like they was after a hit it looked like they was having fun mm-hmm. Kick
5: off, shoot, jump on the job now listen to the jam master after he starts to rock His- ah! another of his game so take out the master as he cuts these jams and look at us with the mics in our hands then take a count one two three jam master j run dmc he's jam master j the big beat blaster
0: he gets better because he know he has to in 84 he'll be a little faster and only practice makes a real jam master all right John, here we go man next track jam master j now, there's a few things I want to say about this track. First and foremost, it being that, you know, Run DMC, and c they followed the formula with this one. I mean, think about the groups that was in and around around that time. I mean, they always, always highlighted their DJ. They always threw it back and say, look, we're dope, you know what I mean? But. Check out my DJ Kane. Did it? They all did it. All the greats. Did right. It. Right. You know, so I'm glad that we get a chance to really talk about Jam Master Jay up here. I mean, what more can you say about Jam Master Jay? You know, he was arguably arguably one of the one of the, one of the greatest producers of all time for the greatest hip hop group of all time. I mean, Run DMC is what made it global. They're the ones that took hip hop to the world stage. You know, I think a lot of DJs, a lot of producers, all. A ton of respect to Jam Master J. I mean, he influenced so many. I mean, I hear so many producers when I hear Jam Master J. I hear Premier. I hear Pete Rock. I hear so many of them, you know, at their basic, fundamental level, I hear them when I hear Jam Master J. You know what I mean?
1: Let's just be honest, man. I mean, like you said, everybody in homage to their DJs. Yeah. and run dmc had a terrific dj behind them by the name of jam master j and not only was he a terrific dj he was also part muscle
0: <laughs> yeah no
1: doubt you know what i mean jam master j wore two hats mm-hmm. because you know in the uh movie that they did with with uh crush
0: crew
1: <laughs> don't forget he was he was you know he was ready to shoot out loud he was ready to shoot out right? Right. <laughs> and, you know, the first thing he did was reach in his jacket yeah yeah he was that quintessential third rail that everybody talk about, about the New York subways, if you ever touch it, it's, you know, it's going to shock you to death. You know what I mean? That's, that's, that's not the one you want to mess with. Mm-hmm. I mean, there, there weren't too many DJs who were going after Jam Master J saying that uh, they, they could cut or scratch better than him. He was also, you know, the quintessential bad guy. You know what I mean? He, he, he was the one responsible for their style. For that black leather jacket, for that hat, that was all Jam Master Jay. No, oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. That was all him. So when you see Run DMC, they didn't have no stylists. They had Jam Master Jay who put that whole thing together.
0: His style was flawless, man. You know what I mean? The rope, the Adidas, the shell toes, the lees, that black leather jacket. I mean, it was tough, man. It was, it was tough. you 100% correct about that, John.
1: They didn't have a lot of money. Yeah. You know, they didn't, they didn't have that big budget. Mm-hmm. This is hip-hop in its infancy. Hip-hop's 10 years old right here. And this is the first mega group in hip-hop. And at this time, they were at a level in hip-hop that no other artist had reached at that point. Because hip-hop was this thing, man, back in 84. It was, it was still looked upon by the large majority, even in the black community, as a gimmick with that being the case, you know, people look at hip-hop now with this mass acceptance, and they just accept that as how it has always been, and that's not the case. This was, you know, fringe music when it first, in 1984. This was not widely accepted. For these cats to be where they were so quickly as to they were taking the hip hop wave by storm and they were pushing the culture forward so quickly. It was amazing.
0: I think Run DMC almost willed their way into, into our tape decks, into our ears. You know what I mean? They were louder, they were more boisterous, you know what I mean? And um, they were cooler. <laughs> Let's just say it like it is, man. They were cool as shit. And then you look at Jam Master J and it's a rap. They, they hit the scene and they were constantly telling you that they're the new shit. And that's exactly what it was. They said it louder and cooler than anybody else, and we believed it naturally. We're live as can be, but we're not singing the blues. We got to tell y'all the good news. The good news is that there's a crew, not five, not four. Not three, just two. Two MCs who are claiming the fame. Bro, that shot's fired. Let's break it down. Let's walk down the line that Run just put there for you. Not five. Obviously, he's talking about Grandmaster Flash and the Furious Five. Not four. That's the Furious Four plus one more. Not three. Treacherous three. Just two. There's only one left, and that's Run DMC. Two MCs who are claiming the fame. All the other things won't be the same. It's time for a brand new group, Run DMC, to put you on the scoop. They just cut the line. (laughs) They up front now. (laughs)
5: If you don't, this time we shall return
1: tell you right now. Remember I told you, remember I described to you what my bedroom was like back then when I was in high school? Yeah, you had the cork board up on the walls. Cork board up on my yeah. yeah. I, I had, now nah, I had my two joint, my, my two disc, or not disc, excuse me, my two cassette boom box, right? Mm-hmm. Now, I got it out of J C JCPenney, right? I got it for Christmas. This, when this joint came out, man, This Hollis Crew joint right here, I probably played this for probably at least a day straight. I couldn't get past it. The way that beat was just bouncing off my walls, man. No doubt. I'm serious, man. I'm serious. No doubt. It goes
0: so hard. The, The kick, the snare on this was intoxicating, man. I mean... This right here, I think, was the introduction to Run DMC, and specifically DMC. Run and DMC were the perfect, you know, that like you say, John, that serve and volley that they they started that whole shit, right? I mean, I don't care how what you say, they started that whole shit right here, and this was the perfect demonstration of that Run DMC serve and volley that they kicked off in the early '80s. DMC is the epitome of cool. The D's for doing it all the time. The M's for the rhymes that are all mine. The C's for cool, who asked him be. And why you wear them glasses? So I can see. <laughs> you know what I mean? Bruh, DMC was the epitome of cool, man. And Run Come DMC, boy, they were the perfect mix, man. The perfect mix.
1: Yes, sir. DM- DMC was like the straight man. And... Run was I mean and run was kinda like that live wire that you always had to hold back and Jam Master J was the quiet hitman because he's the man with the black hat.
0: You said something before I want to touch on real quick. You mentioned DMC being a straight man. Go back to that crush groove movie and back to that scene when LL busted through the door. And you mentioned it already. You said Jam Master Jay was about to, you know, he's about to get him. He had his hand in his jacket. It was DMC. He was like, nah, chill, chill. <laughs> Let him live. Right. But for me, you know, the relevance and the importance of this, of this record right here, specifically this record here is the emergence of DMC. He was, for all intents and purposes, he was born right here with this track right here. Go to the end. In case you wonder what all this means with Funky Fresh from Hollis Queens, running Kirk both down with me. And that's the way it's meant to be. Who's Kirk? I'm the microphone master, DMC, devastating mic controller personality. You know, and to the sucker MCs who did not learn, if you don't this time, we shall return. If you ever wondered, if you ever had a doubt as to what DMC's position, what his role was in run DMC, throw this joint on right here, and it'll answer your question real quick. Devastating mic controller, DMC. What's going on? Cool, Chief Rocker, I don't drink vodka. Keep a microphone inside my locker. Run was everything to me,
1: man. <laughs> and, and then the remix. You remember the remix of that, right? I don't drink vodka, but keep a bag of cheaper inside my locker. Oh, yeah. Come on. That's man. the joint he did live on stage. but yeah. We ain't going to talk about that right now. <laughs> Go to
0: school every day on the side, making pay because of rocking on the mic until the break right. of the day. On DMC, y'all. Forever forget their legacy, man.
5: A friend of mine, asked me to say some MC rhymes, so I said this rhyme I'm about to say, the rhyme was there, but then it went this way, took a test to become an MC, and Orange the became amazed at me, so Larry put me inside, got to lack. the sugar drove off and we never came back, They put the record down to the bone, and now they got me rocking on the microphone, and then we're talking autographs, and cheers and last, champagne, caviar, and bubble bath. and see ya, that's the life that I lead, and you suck it. attack because there's nothing in the world that run the level like a cold chill at a party in the b-boy stands and rock on the mic and make the girls want to dance fly like a dove and come from up above i'm rocking over the mic come rush love
0: all right john here we go man next track sucking mcs now tell me man is this song not the shit man when you, think, when you think of Run DMC, does this song not just permeate your whole existence at that moment? It, it does more than that. Anytime someone says hip-hop to me, this is always song number one. That pops in my head. Mm -hmm. Well, let's talk about that beat for a second. You heard it before. We talked about it offline. Where'd you hear that beat before? It's the same beat as Oscar? No doubt. No doubt. Now listen, listen. I'm not going to take credit for having this, you know, Ginsu knowledge about this beat. You know, you listen to DMC tell it, you know, there's a lot of history behind that break beat. That came from the group Orange Crush. Now, the producer behind Orange Crush is, you know, Hip Hop God, Hip Hop Producer, Genius Master Larry Smith. He was the one that produced that beat for an Orange Crust song called Action. Just go to YouTube, type in Orange Crust Action. And you'll you'll right. hear that. You'll hear that breakbeat in the beginning. You'll hear it, you know. And there are so many songs that took that breakbeat and used it as the as the emphasis, as the focus of their song. Obviously, Sucker MCs, Hollis Crew, being two of them, but Houdini took it. There's a couple of other groups that took it as well. But um, you know that's why they sound so similar because it is the same beat. It is the same beat. That's where you got the whole crush groove situation from. And if you listen, right. if you listen to the lyrics of this particular track right here, Run gives you. And runs down yeah, he does. the biography, how this whole thing happened. All Take right. it from the top, Maestro. Alright, so it, it starts off with the with the two most memorized lines in all of hip hop. I don't give yes, a sir. Bummer, what yes. you yes. said. Two years yes, ago, sir. a friend of mine asked me to say some MC rhyme Everybody knows this for a few lines. If you're hip hop, you know those two lines. Right, and then Run breaks it down, how they came to be, how they became to be Run MC. So I said this rhyme I'm about to say. The rhyme was deaf, and then it went this way. It took a test to become an MC. So basically, he was rhyming in front of them. Like, look, right. let me right. do this. Let me show you. Let me right. show you what I got. You know what I mean? Because, you know, you listen to Russell tell it. It was like, nah, he was his little brother. Nah, sit down, chill. You know, we got this other group right. working. work Go over with. there in the corner. Yeah. Go over there in the corner. Yeah, we asked you to write these rhymes. You wrote them. Now bounce. You know what I mean? Move on. Right. You, know, you Ron, did your part. Yeah. You did your part, kid. Ron, you know what I'm saying? Then run. And D was like, no, 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 nah. Let us show you what we got. Let us show you. Took the test to become an MC. in Orange Crush. There you go. Larry Smith, Orange Crush. Well, um, from Armin, the door. No doubt. Orange Crush became amazed at me. He's talking about Larry Smith right there. So Larry put me inside his Cadillac. The chauffeur drove off, and we never came back. Basically, they took off from right there. And they haven't looked back since. Dave cut the record down to the bone. He was the producer, one of the one of the DJs. Dave. And now they got me rocking on the microphone. And then we're talking autograph. They signing contracts now. They signing contracts now. they dating that They they are now running DMC. Yeah. Yeah. So now they're contracted. Now they're running DMC now. Tears and laugh. Champagne, caviar, and bubble bath. They're living the life now. They're living the life. That's the life that. I lead. You suck at MCs is who I please. He's above everybody. Like I said in the last track, Run DMC, they cut the line. Everybody else, they suckers. <laughs> Behind me now. So take that, move back, catch a hard attack, because there's nothing in the world that run ever lack. What's that part of the formula, John? I'm going to tell you how dope I am. I cold chill at a party in the B-boy stance. Come on, we all did that. You know what I mean? Come he on,
1: everybody. Yeah. Everybody with that one leg up on the wall no, with the arms crossed, no, man. Come no, on,
0: man. No doubt. Me mugging, on, ice grilling, and rock on the mic to <laughs> make the girls want to dance. You know what I mean? If you're not doing it for the girls, what you doing it for? And run was yes. telling you, and, and run was telling you, I moved the party. Fly like a dove, they come up from above. I'm rocking on the mic, and you call me you run love. There's that bravado right there. There it is. There Chest it is. out. I'm telling you again, Just I'm out. telling you again, Chest I'm dope. Out. I'm dope. And the girls, they love me. They oh, love me. Man. They love me. But you know what? Run wasn't finished. This was, how many verses? This is definitely a run-on sentence. Yeah. This is
1: definitely, I think it's like six verses. He comes in, I got a big long caddy. Not Not like like a Seville. Seville. (laughs) Because remember, the Seville back then had the slant back. The Seville was a little car, man. Written right on the side. It reads dress to kill. So if you see me cruising girls, just move or step aside. Yeah. Because I ain't got time to fit you all in my ride. yeah, yeah. It's on a... First come, first serve basis. cooling out, girl, take you to the deaf places. He's macking the women right now.
0: No doubt. That's what it's all about. You walk around town
1: like a hula with a knife. That means you have nothing going for yourself but to take what someone, else is, what someone else has. You're hanging on the Ave. You got no job to go to. You're not trying to better yourself. You're chilling with your crew, and your crew is all about that same thing as well, which is just causing havoc in the community. Well, Mm -hmm. and everybody knows what you've been through because we can see if you would have done the right things with your life you wouldn't be out here on the half chilling with your crew carrying a knife cheating on your wife and biting your whole life we can just run it backwards
0: no doubt i mean you strip all that down you strip all this down at the end of the day what he's what he's saying what run is saying is do something you see what i'm saying do something with your life man you know you see us you know i mean we we work for this you know, what I mean, why, why are you sitting there hating on me? You know, what I mean, stand up, do something with yourself. We did. We come from the same street. We come from the same area. You right. see what I'm saying? Right. Do something.
1: Hip hop is to be that social commentary piece to talk about the plight of the downtrodden, to talk about the inner city, to talk about what's going on for the people who technically have no voice. You know, it's the voice of the voiceless, and it's reaching everybody. But this is, in my most humble opinion, the one song that all hip hop heads know.
0: track, it's like that now listen man i'm gonna start sounding like a broken record in a minute because one of the things that i've said i think three times or twice or whatever how many times already is that you're looking at a a group like run dmc who takes their responsibility to society to their fans to the hip-hop community so damn seriously that they that they make a song like this and I think the only way we can do it justice, the only way we can really do this song justice and pull out the message so that, at the very least, our listeners and Run DMC fans can get it again because it never gets old. Never. Never gets old. Never gets old. You got to listen to this song, not, not hear it. You got to... Let's start from the beginning. I mean, you're talking about a level of societal awareness that... Even hip-hop artists today don't have, you know, they dream to have the level of awareness that Run and DMC had back then. Run kicks it off, man. He lays the the baseline. He he sets the environment, he sets the tone. On top of, again, another iconic Larry Smith beat, that Orange Crush, you know what I mean? Unemployment at a record high, people coming, people going, people born to die. But don't ask. Come me. on, man. Don't ask me because I don't know why it's like that. That's just the way it is, bro. She was fucked up back then, just like it's fucked up now. You know what I mean? No doubt. And don't
1: forget, this came out prior to the album. This came out in '83. Yeah. This is Reagan right here. This is the beginning of trickle down economics and outsourcing of jobs. This is what I was talking about earlier with hard times, man. What was going on? You know. Was crazy. Everything seemed like it was falling apart at the seams here in here in the United States. You know what I mean. And so you got to figure what they what Run and DMC are talking about here. If this came out in '83, we always talk about how the artist is talking uh, in a retrospective format, right? Yeah. So this had to be a. They had to get this muse probably in '82. So you look at the situations in the United States in nineteen eighty two, especially in New York, shit was bleak. You know, people in the world trying to make ends meet. You try to you try to ride car, train, bus, or feet. I say you gotta work hard. You want to compete. And guess what? It's like that. And that's just the way it is.
0: That's DMC giving you that dose that hard so dose of reality, man. Yeah. Listen. People in the world
1: try to make ends meet. Listen, people are struggling. You're trying to get to work any way you can. You are trying to better yourself any way you can. To me, the title of this track, It's Like That, to me speaks to everybody who wants to bitch and moan about their circumstance. Man, get the fuck out of here with that. I got it. It's it's, It's like that for everybody. Mm -hmm everybody's struggling with something. You know what I mean? So you gotta work hard. You wanna compete. It's like that, man. It's just the way it is. You know, Outcast said it. You gotta get up, get out, and do something. Do something. You can't right. spend all your days trying to get high. Come on, man. Cause you and I got to do for you and I. Right. It's the same thing. It's the exact same thing.
0: I think the reason why this song resonated so much with people back then and even now is that Running deep, I think the overall message, the overall, you know, message that they that they gave was that listen, we hear you, because we're going through the same shit. You know, we hear you. We're not. You can still touch us. we still. We still relate to you. You know, and we're going to take your plight because it's our plight too, and we're going to show the world. You know, we're going to tell it to the world, and I think that's what they did with this song here. That's why it resonated so deeply with the community. You know, because this was everybody's problem day in and day out. You know what i mean and um that classic run in dmc serving volley was so apparent in this track man they went literally line for line back and forth for the rest of the song you know just detailing you know the plight of the world back then giving you know uh that that snapshot of what it was like man you know money is the key to end all your woes your ups your downs your highs and your lows won't you tell me the last time that love bought you clothes it's like that, and that's the way it is, man. So basically they're saying, listen, man, we don't even have time for love, man. We need to get out there and work, get that money so we can eat, we can live, we can clothe ourselves, we can survive. It's a hard reality to digest, man. It's cold out there.
1: Right. I mean, listen, a lot of people were struggling with a lot of different things, and, and when we look at this, man, it just resonates so hard yeah. because I saw so many people lose I mean, stuff was bad. You got to link up and get in relationships. And while it may seem, you know, self-serving, but you have to get with somebody who can help you better yourself because it's just not good enough to be in love with somebody. You know, it's like that. That's the way it is. We got to be out here doing better. Bills rise higher every day. We receive much lower pay. I'd rather stay young, go out and play. It's like that. That's the, of course I would rather be a kid. I can't do that, though. I'm 20 years old. I got to go out and get a job, man. And right now, that job that I'm trying to kick is these rhymes. And I got to talk about something real, because what did he tell you on Sucker MC? The rhymes have to make what? They have to make sense. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And does this rhyme make sense? Oh, crystal clear.
0: (laughs) Crystal clear, man.
5: the no what atomic
0: Next track, Wake Up. Now let me say it like this, let me just let me just tell you like this, man. I can't think of a more relevant track off this album to discuss here right now in May 2016 with all the bullshit going on in the world. The fact that it exists on a hip hop album released in 1984 says everything you need to know about the original intent of hip hop and who was meant for who that message was meant for you know what i'm saying
1: this was the first time that you see a major artist on this scale taking on this sort of subject matter other than grandmaster flash and the message that was pretty much it so you figure they took a huge chance but if you look at the songs that they released in 1983 wake up was kind of right along those same lines you know you look at Hard Times, they released in 1983. So if you look at Wake Up, what do they say right here? Unemployment was at a record low. So they're giving you the converse, the 180 degree different look at what society is like. When I woke up this morning and got out of bed, I had some really fresh thoughts going through my head. They were the thoughts that came for a wonderful dream. It was the vision of the world working as a team. Mm-hmm. And this is what Run DMC, on their debut album, is putting down. Under Let that sink in for a minute. And when you do, just understand these guys were how old, get, Scott, 18, 18?
0: Yeah, John, I mean, I couldn't agree with you more. I mean, this song seriously resonated with me, man, because you got to remember when this, as we talked about countless times on this show, I was a youngin when this came out. I mean, I wasn't but, but eight years old. So you're talking okay. about a track that I skipped past, <laughs> you know what I mean? I mean, I got you. Let's let's look at let's let's break it down from, you know, what it sounded like. I mean, it was a simple track, right? From a production standpoint, it was simple, you know. Boom clap, boom boom clap. Yeah. And the lyrics were very very simple. I mean, it was that classic, you know, run DMC serving volley, but you know, I couldn't relate to this back then.
1: I can relate to this because I like hard times so much Mm -hmm. it's like that and for this to come right after it's like that one has to understand Mm -hmm. that the tracks are lined up in a certain order to tell a story so they're telling you and it's like that, that's the way it is so don't cry, get over your circumstances don't whine about it it just is what it is it's like that Mm -hmm. so now wake up Is essentially, he went to sleep, he had a dream, (laughs) and this is what his dream was. After he was kicking it about, it's like that, all the different drama that happened through that particular cut, so his day ended, and this was the dream he had from the stress that he was just under for, it's like that, and he talks about, there were no guns, there were no tanks, no what atomic bombs, and to be frank, homeboy, there were no arms. There was a feeling of peace all across the land. So he's telling you the direct opposite. You know, we already talked about what was going on in the early 80s from the Balkan you know, conflict. Don't forget, you had these 19, 20-year-old kids talking about waking up, you know what I mean? And I don't think that it was a mistake by Spike Lee at the end of his movie to, you know, what did he scream? Wake up.
0: Wake up, yeah.
1: I don't think that was a mistake, man. I think that was a little bit of homage back to Run DMC, back to this particular cut. Here again were situations that people were being blinded by, mm-hmm. which, which were jading their perception as to, you know, skewing their perception on the, view, you know, their view on the world.
0: Well, the thing I took away from this song that really resonated with me listening to it today right now is the stance that Run DMC took, you know, building off what you were saying. I mean there were no guns, no tanks, no atomic bombs, no arms, just people working hand in hand. There was a feeling of peace all across the land. I mean, think about think about the progression that hip hop has taken from then until now, you know, you talking about gangster rap and, right. and the violence that's perpetrated in a lot of those records and you listen to what Run-DMC is saying here, it is the antithesis of that. You know what I mean? It is something that took a I'm sure it took a lot of uh took a lot of courage. You know, to, to come out and say, you know, especially coming from a group that was really trying to get started in hip hop. You know what I mean? I mean, just to kind of give you an idea as to the mind frame that these two guys had. Uh, and you know that Run and DMC wrote all their own material. So I give them a lot of respect. I give them a lot of credit for standing up and saying something that was unpopular. It kind of gives you, you know, some uh, a window into the perspective that hip-hop had at the time. I mean, who it was made for and what they were trying to say as a whole. One of the things that we talk about with Run DMC is, um, I think, the responsibility that they felt that they had as, as hip-hop artists and the fact that they knew that, being you know, Young Cats on their debut album, I don't know, man, I think it was incredibly insightful, man. I mean, you take a track like this, you know, 30 Days, where, you know, in their own way, in Run and D's own way, they were discussing, you know, how not to settle for anything less than the best. And they gave you good examples, you know. Obviously, from a male perspective, talking to, to talking to women, you know, don't settle for you know the bum. You know, it's not always about the money. It's not always about you know about status. It's not always about that. It's, it's it's about you know treating them right. It's about treating them with respect. It's not one of my favorite songs on the album, but I dug that part of the message. Again, you guys,
4: you guys got some kind of connection with. It's weird, that, that record reminded the Prince, it, it reminded me it, the sounds he's using, and, no doubt. and the drum, I drum it's just like, so I, I may have to listen to that again, <laughs> <laughs> that vibe, you know what I mean, because when I was talking about my son, he's, he's got this whole Prince thing going on that he, could, mm-hmm. that he can really tap into from an hip hop perspective, I told him you gotta, gotta be different, you can't, just like Ron DMC, they were different, man. That's what made him that's what made him so famous and made him so successful. They were definitely different.
0: Definitely special. And I related to them in every way. I mean, even like when Ron was talking about, you know, I'm I'm a fast talking, slow walking number one. That was my father right there. You know, right down uh-huh. right right down to being light skinned, you know what I mean, that was my dad. He talked real fast, but he was always walking with a strut. You know, and I don't care who he talked to, you know, he was gonna be, you know the man in the room. You know what I mean. I think that's why Run resonated with me so much, man. Because that's that's who he was, man. Like, even you talk about the movie Crush You know what I mean. He was in every scene that Run was in. He was the man. And, uh, right. And you know what? You know what? We had said before when we did the LL review.
1: Uh, we were talking about love songs in hip-hop, you know, and Al was, you know, one of the first to do it And I remember I said he wasn't the, the first This was actually the first love song in hip-hop right here <laughs> <laughs> You know, when you think about it, because he's describing the perfect man He's describing an honorable man, you feel me? Here we go, 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 fees on the corner and
5: the drugs gonna flow More money, 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 more, taxing y'all your- Five, four, here we go. More money, 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 mo. Hello, everybody. Hooker, how do you do? No matter what the plan what's the matter with you, we've never been sold to the heart goes true. Until the sucker, 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 yo, this one for you. Beat to the rock. Beat to the rock. the A, the B, to the C. It's easy. One, two, three. <laughs>
1: Give uh, You know, this was an outstanding, Sky. I don't know about you, man, but this was an outstanding episode, if I don't say so myself, man. It was. Having Herb Herb on, I mean, that was tremendous, you know what I mean? And I go to Herb Middleton's page, and what's the first song on his page? Walk My Way, (laughs) you know what I mean? And one of the biggest crossover uh, hip-hop cuts was Walk This Way by Run DMC. So when I think about this episode, Scott, in retrospect, I really just have to, you know, give thanks to a lot of people who really allow me to be able to do the podcast with you, Scott. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, between my son, my daughter, you know, all my children, man, you know, who support me uh, indirectly as well as directly. You know as well as you know my wife as well as you know my facebook community i really appreciate you guys you know i really enjoy getting it in with michael wright and uh flo you know those those cats over there on, on their facebook page are uh, doing some pretty decent things uh i definitely got to give another shout out to uh big shot bobs and Coryopolis. you know what i mean you got to stop by there and get some good food and of course my son's baseball team the maryland pack you know what I mean Scott this kid's been going two for three two for three I mean consistently well, the RBI like crazy yeah man so I gotta give much love to my son five uh, he's you know and as well as my daughter M. Uh, you know they they really 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 uh, go the extra mile you know what I mean I got a couple of special college graduates uh, Lady McCulloch you know love you kid Happy uh, graduation, you did it, college, college grad. I'm very proud of you. And uh, you know you just keep making me proud every single day. So Lady McCulloch, shout out to you and much love. All
0: right, John, I'm gonna keep this real short and keep it real simple, man. I'd like to, uh, to dedicate this episode to the first hip hop artist that ever lived and that's the great Muhammad Ali. Right, the bravado, the message, the poetry—it was all there. It was all there. He, you know, he was—he was—he was, he was, he was one, of, one of our one of our one of our great heroes, if not the greatest hero. Um, he passed away recently, man, and uh, I just want to dedicate this, you know, to to the great the great Muhammad Ali. Um, also, you know, as always, I like to uh, to give a, a huge shout out to uh, HipHopGoldenAge.com. As always, you know they're a big supporter of the podcast and always come through and and you know uh, distribute our podcast on their site. If you haven't checked it out, www.hiphopgoldenage.com. Go there for the info. Go there for the music. They do great breakdowns of of, of songs and things of that nature. They do a great job of that. You know it doesn't get much better than Run DMC. We had a great guest in Herb Middleton. Um, so I definitely hope that everyone out there enjoyed it. We definitely enjoyed making it for you. Um, and I look forward to the next one.
5: We we
0: hate it!